welcome to How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for How I Got Here, Mozio and FocusWire's weekly podcast about innovators in travel and transportation. Uh, today, we have Paul Melhus, the founder and CEO of Tours by Locals, the world's leading provider of private tours and experiences uh, with 1,700 carefully selected tour guides in 130 countries around the world. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Paul. Nice to be here. Thanks. Uh, nice to see you guys. I uh, just wanted to make one quick correction about the number of tour guides. We're actually up over 4,700 now. So. <laughs> my bad. My bad on that yeah. one. Uh, yeah. well, so, so we like to uh, start every one of these conversations the same way, which, which is for us to ask you how you got here. Great. Sure. Well, uh, the story actually starts in uh, 2006. Uh, my uh, partner and I, uh, Dave uh, Vincent, who's uh, the technical uh, fellow of Tours by Locals, uh, took a trip to uh, China. And uh, on our last day, we still hadn't visited the Great Wall. Uh, so we, um, we had a couple of options. One of them was uh, to go to the uh, close by uh, section of the wall uh, at Badaling. But uh, that's kind of like the Disney version of the Great Wall. It's where everybody goes, lots of tour buses, packs of people. So we decided that we wanted a different experience, hired a driver to take us uh, um, two hours out of Beijing to a place called Simitai. And that's more of an authentic version of the wall, hasn't been all fixed up. Uh, so as we're walking on to the uh, to, to start our little uh, visit, uh, we passed a group of uh, uh, Chinese uh, women, two of whom came after us and introduced themselves. And, uh, you know, they spoke pretty good English and we started uh, interacting with them and they actually ended up giving us uh, a really good tour of the wall. And we, not only that, we learned uh, something about their lives and uh, uh, what it was like to be, uh, you know, more, actually they were farmers in, in their uh, regular job and they just did this on the side so of course uh, there was always an undercurrent of why are they doing this what's what's in it for them and indeed at the end of the uh, uh, tour when we were ready to go to the airport they brought out all of their books and their cards and all of the little tchotchkes that we didn't really have any interest in but uh, you know it kind of sets up an obligation so we bought some stuff and I think both of us left a little bit unsatisfied because we'd basically run out of Chinese cash because we were going to the airport and uh, and we didn't have enough room for all of their stuff anyway. So, uh, um, but that started a conversation between Dave and myself about how this could have been made uh, a much better experience both for us and for them. And over the course of two years, um, we developed all the uh, concepts and uh, we're uh, in October of 2008, we're ready to uh, launch Tours by Locals and uh, uh, the rest of it is history, shall we say. So uh, thanks ever so much, Paul, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, you did have some involvement in travel with your business prior to that, which was My Trip Journal. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about that. And I suppose the obvious thing to ask really is, what did you learn from that particular business that you then 
took into tours by locals if anything or did you learn so much that you would never take anything from that previous experience well certainly it had some uh, uh it's funny uh, that actually was uh, uh, just a kind of little side project for a friend of ours who was actually taking him and his wife and kids on a two-month trip through china as it turned out so they used that to document their uh, their journey and then after that uh um, we basically, in conjunction with the uh, uh, the fellow who was uh, uh, our friend and taking that China trip, developed uh, uh, my trip journal, uh, which is kind of a blogging platform for people who travel. Um, I don't know that we learned too much about uh, um, about that. Uh, it certainly was a benefit for us because it generated some 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 cash and it allowed us to. Uh, have the luxury of not having to work while we, um, you know, we're able to do my uh, tours by locals. Um, yeah. But, but uh, in terms of uh, learning from that and, and travel, yeah, we, I, I, I think uh, the idea for my, or for tours by locals was, you know, with, uh, it was a bit of hubris on my part that, uh, you know, we were basically trying to build a platform that would be, uh, it's all about me, you know, and, and how I wanted to, how I like to travel, uh, how I want to interact with local people. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, it was, it was based on uh, the, the, the desires that I have uh, as far as uh, my preferred method of traveling. And, you know, we have maybe come up with some sort of post hoc justifications as to why that was what, what why that was a good idea. Um, but in, in 2006, we were just thinking, well, how would I like to do that? You know, I don't want to uh, ha- carry around any cash. So I want to pay somebody else all of the money uh, for the yeah. tour, and then they can deal with uh, all of the mechanics of getting it to the guide. And I just want to show up and have my experience. So that led us to think that, well, we have to collect the money, hold it in trust, and then release it to the guide once the tour uh, was successfully delivered. So there was all kinds of, you know, anytime we came uh, up with an idea or a, a situation, we just said, well, you know, how am I as the traveler, what would be the best thing for me? And then that's basically how we developed it. And of course, but we, we did always keep in mind uh, the interests of the guide. So we, we really do believe that uh, we serve two customers, travelers and guides. And, and, and we yeah. try to, you know, make things good for the guide and also for the traveler and, and keep those values at the forefront of, uh, of everything that we do. Now, it's, it's, it is a very much a, a kind of a classic tours and activities model, isn't it? It's that two-sided marketplace. But it goes, it's an awful long way from you having that experience in China going, wouldn't it be great to creating something that's beyond a good idea to getting some customers on both sides of the marketplace because it is a two-sided marketplace and then getting it to scale. So how, what were the steps Paul, that you went through from this is a great idea, getting on the airplane, starting to sketch out a business plan, all those kind of things, and to the to the to the point where okay, this actually might work. 
Sure. Um, well, I have to say that uh, there was an incredible amount of luck that we had. Um, uh -huh. First of all, having the financial wherewithal to not worry about, you know, feeding ourselves for two years while we could, you know, build out the, the product and, uh, and, and first version ready to go. Um, and then the uh, starting it in um, October of 2008. Uh, because that was one month after Lehman Brothers basically crashed the world. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, when the, um, the world is kind of spiraling down, I think is a really great time to start a business. Um, uh, if I was starting a business uh, from scratch, now would probably be a really good time to go because we're in a, we're in a crisis mode. But back in 2008, um, we realized that there was a, Kind of chicken and egg problem that we had you know uh, if you have no guides why would travelers come to your website and if you have no travelers why would guides bother you know spending any time talking to you but in in 2008 and basically through 2010 you know th this was uh, the great recession um people had uh, the travel industry was seriously depressed uh and all we uh, had to do was focus on signing up guides. And that's that's basically what we did, um, knowing that, uh, or hoping, I guess, that uh, travel would come back at some time. And indeed, that's, that's what happened. So uh, during those uh, 2008, 2009, till 2010, um, we were just focused on getting a critical mass of content on the website, enough tour guides. And it, it was fairly easy to uh, sign people up. Uh, you know, they were sitting around. Uh, in fact, uh, our um, the, the fellow who's the current president of Tours by Locals is uh, was a guide of ours in Argentina, is Luciano uh, Bolorski. And um, yeah, he was playing online poker or something when one of our little ads popped up and uh, so we filled it <laughs> okay. out and uh, um, and and became a, our first guide in Buenos Aires and did a really great job there and then eventually is now the president of the company so uh, just just before Dave uh, David and I was going to jump in in a second but on that you said you started you know, recruiting if that's the right word your tour guides even without perhaps any business to um, to you know to keep them busy because things were going badly wrong from a financial perspective in the industry. Yeah. How did you, and you'd only just launched, how did you convince them that this was something that, was it just essentially you were a directory for them at this stage and you were saying, you know, when this is all over, everything's going to be great and you're getting yeah. lots of business. Yeah, well, of course, you know, we would come across as, you know, we've got this great platform, we're going to bring you uh, travelers and, uh, and be a great source of business for you to, you know, to, uh, run your tour guide uh, uh, business and um, you know even if they didn't think that there was much chance of that happening there really wasn't a lot of downside they were taking you know maybe five or six hours to uh, yeah. build up their profile put up the tours that they wanted to sell on the website and then you know kind of we're open for business uh, but the fact that we didn't have any business wasn't such a big deal because they weren't getting any business from anywhere anyways, you know? Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were, uh, 
sure, maybe it wouldn't amount to anything, but what's the downside? I've wasted five or six hours of my time putting up a profile. So uh, it was pretty easy sell. But well, maybe uh, right now it's actually hard to recruit guides because I think everybody's a little bit shell shocked. But uh, um, yeah, it it uh, pre pre COVID uh, in 2019 we were uh, it, it, it wasn't it's not an easy task to to get new people up on running because everybody's you know the world economy was firing on all cylinders uh, back in those days. Of course, you know the world everything is completely shifted now so uh, uh, but you know thinking about how things went from you know 2008 2009 where we were in the depths of the recession you know we've been really uh, up until 29 the end of 2019 uh, it's been a pretty uh, great ride for every economy uh, or every segment of the economy and and certainly the travel industry has benefited uh, enormously and tours by locals I think was uh, um, riding a, a really strong trend away from mass tourism and you know towards a more personal customized experience so uh, you know because our our full uh, we've always been all about oh. private tours so Bob, I want to actually do it, it. I want to interrupt you there and actually kind of expand a little bit on something you just said. You said about move away from, from mass tourism. And so it's funny. So there, there, seemed, there was a point in time in which there was a lot of Airbnb for activities kind of startups kind of uh, popping up and, and tours. And I remember hearing from one of my friends in the tours and activities world that actually most people just want to hop on, hop off bus. And um, that is kind of like the dirty little secret of, of the industry. And, um, you know, what was interesting is that like, uh, I feel like the idea of the unique local experience is one of the travel industry's great false gods almost where it's kind of like, you know, everyone wants this like graffiti tour in an alley or something like that, that it's really hard for them to get it. So I almost feel like my travel industry expertise makes me want to think that tours by locals is this really great idea that um, is just, just isn't going to work, but you, it's a great idea that has worked and you just raise a lot of money and have proven that that wrong. And so I'm, I'm curious, I'd love to get your analysis about like where, where is everyone kind of missing, you know, the idea of, of how to get away from mass tourism and how, how do you do that? Because I think a lot of people have tried to do what you did, did and failed. Yeah, there's certainly, uh, well, uh, we, we noticed, uh, yeah, companies popping up all over the place uh, uh, and then they kind of uh, disappear fairly quickly. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 we have been successful. I mean, we started, uh, uh, we've been uh, self-financed for uh, up until December 24th. Uh, our timing was impeccable in terms of uh, raising uh, venture capital for sure. But uh, we were um, able to, um, to kind of self-fund uh, Right, all you know, Dave and I kicked in maybe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that was just mostly so we could eat, you know. And um, the the business has sell has funded itself uh, right from the get go, and uh, we've uh, um, we've been able to generate growth of uh, you know forty percent or so per year uh, right from uh, I guess uh, up and starting in twenty ten. There, there was some time when we were not, uh, you know, we were ha starting to doubt ourselves, but uh, um, we, uh, and I actually credit Dave on uh, being, uh, having the courage to 
start spending money on Google uh, pay-per-click advertising and buying Rome private tour and making sure that we're in the top three, um, that seemed to kind of launch us on a, on a nice growth curve. And of course, all the other stuff that, uh, um, that, that you need to do in order to be successful. Um, but uh, we've been relentlessly focused on private tours everywhere people travel. You know, all of our principles about the guide is the guide. Uh, you pay in advance uh, so there's no cash on the day, which actually is uh, considered to be, well, there's psychological validation that that creates a better experience when you don't have when there's a big distance between when you pay for something and when you actually consume it, um, you're more likely to enjoy the experience if you, than when you get on a hop on hop off bus, cause you have to pay cash in the moment sort of thing. So, um, but any, uh, so that's uh, part of it and just kind of sticking to our, our basic principles and, uh, it, it seems to work. I mean, when we went through, uh, you know, the due diligence with the uh, venture capitalists, of course, they uh, did a, a market study and, and talked to our travelers. And we came in with a uh, net promoter score of 79, which is pretty much off the charts as far as, uh, you know, uh, uh, as, as for customers, you know, so, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 to David's point about, you know, it's this kind of mass tourism product and the, uh, you know, the, what you provide, which is uh, very, very focused. It's specialized. It's personalized. I, I, I've, you probably know Luke Elzinger, who's the CEO of Tickets. And he yeah, always puts it really, Luke's, Luke's a great guy. I mean, we should probably get him on the podcast at some point, but he yeah. always puts this very succinctly said, Yes, people want to go and do a culinary tour of the east side of the river in Paris, but when they're there, they still want to climb the Eiffel Tower. You know, these two things can coexist. You can be cool, but you can still go and do all these mass market things. So my, my question really is, have, have you ever been tempted just because the unit economics are often better if you are in part of it as well just to to kind of bolster some of the other things that you do has there ever been that temptation mm, some people have uh, suggested that we should branch out but we have uh, we've kept our relentless focus just on yeah. private tours con you know and 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 not been seduced by anything else so but you know you you do make a good point and i think uh, a lot uh, our tours are kind of um you know first time visitors tour of Paris. So, you know, you do see, you know, the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower and uh, all of those kind of things. Um, but all of our guides, uh, you know, and this is something that we talk to them about, uh, is they, they need to have a, some kind of unique experiences some in their back pocket that is, uh, you know, they read the, the group. Uh, and then, so they've always got that little secret thing that kind of gives the aha moment that you're not expecting. And, and I think that's part of the uh, success of uh, Tours by Locals uh, is that we always offer that kind of aha moment as well as, you know, the, the, the things that everybody wants to see in Paris. So, yeah. And so take us back again, if you, if you, if you can Paul to the conceptual side of it, how did you, 
decide on a business model? What was, how did you kind of come up with the way you were going to kind of organize this two-sided marketplace from a, from an economics perspective? Um, well, we, we certainly uh, spent time talking to tour guides about what they thought was reasonable in terms of the revenue share that, you know, if the tour is going to cost $100, how much goes to the platform and how much goes to the guide. And uh, we, uh, we settled on a kind of 80-20 split. So, you know, the majority of the revenue does go to the, um, uh, to the guide and out of the 20% that is for tours by locals, you know, we pay the credit card fees and all of that sort of thing. So uh, we are a, a, a pretty low margin business. So we do need to be very conscious of cost and, you know, customer acquisition. And, um, but basically I think we got through uh, a lot of it just by, you know, keeping our eye really on the interests and needs of the customer and getting them to be kind of brand advocates for us and, yep. you know, telling their friends, uh, essentially. So, uh, um, but, you know, these are all still, you know, basic problems for any business. How do you acquire customers yep. at an economic cost? Uh, you know, um, when when the uh, when the pandemic uh, hit and you know basically we stopped all of our pay per click advertising and then we thought oh let's just kind of rest that that was pretty outrageous because I just don't believe that there was uh, you know in a in a real auction that there was other people that were willing to bid us up to six dollars a a click so we quickly put a lot of caps on how much we're willing to pay uh, to make Google even wealthier than they are so. Yeah, and just to, uh, on the commission um, element of the story, I mean, yeah. has that changed much over the years as you've seen competition come and uh, fleetingly go? It seems, you know, there have been, as, we, as, as you were discussing with David a moment ago, there has been a brand's arrive and then disappear fairly quickly. But did you have to alter your commission level at all to kind of, the competition or to just kind of strengthen your relationship with the guides or has it remained consistent it's it's been consistently that 80 20 split we have yeah, never just never changed it um we, we i i do have this idea that we need to figure out how to uh uh do a better job of monetizing um the uh, the business so we might need to look at uh, some kind of service fee uh on the same lines of uh uh, Airbnb, you know, they tack yeah. on 10%. Uh, but we want to do that in a, in a tours by locals way. Maybe um, one of the things that we've learned from the COVID thing is that um, uh, you need to be very flexible on the cancellation side of things. And I think we actually, I'm really happy that we were able to get out front of the uh, industry in terms of uh, offering cancellations to uh, customers. Like we just said, you know, we're going to give everybody a refund that wants it. And uh, mm -hmm. we actually did give them the choice. They could take a full refund or um, uh, the amount they paid plus 10% uh, as a, as a promo code. And about 20% of customers uh, took us up on that. The other 80% yep. wanted their cash. And we were really, um, uh, fortunate to be first of all to have the financial wherewithal to to make those kind of refunds because I think a lot of companies
probably wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but I think it's earned us an enormous amount of goodwill that will serve us in the future going forward. Um, right now, uh, we basically, our message is uh, book and cancel anytime. Um, and, you know, that's the only way that people are going to be willing to uh, risk uh, booking a tour um, if they know that they can cancel. Um, but, you know, our history kind of serves us well because, you know, we already walked that walk and gave everybody that needed to have a refund a refund. So uh, um, I'm very happy we were able to do that. So um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the story that we wrote in January 13 this year, you know, Tours by Locals survives a decade of bootstrapping, raises 33 million to accelerate growth. Um, uh, written by our, my colleague Stephen, and it's a you know the, the headline says it all. You did a year of bootstrapping, and then all of a sudden you've raised big money. Oh, so yeah. talk us through if you can pull the process by which I'm guessing early 2019, mid 2019, you suddenly thought, okay, we let's let's try and raise a lot of money. There's some money kind of swilling around in tours and activities it's still seen as the hot you know the hot sector was that yeah. the thinking that you just should just kind of see some of the the cash that was swilling about or was there something else or was it a number of things well um yeah of course yeah it was such a different world back in 2019 um but uh, basically yes you're quite right uh, tours and activities seemed like the uh, the last <laughs> bit of uh, the travel industry that you know, was uh, where money was flowing because, you know, um, airfares and hotels, that, that was a done deal. So now the, the, the third part of the market, and, and really the reason why people travel is tours and activities. Um, so there was a lot of money uh, floating about uh, in that, uh, for that sector. And we were, uh, every, every week I would get a, a, a kind of over the transom uh, request from a different venture capitalist asking about, uh, you know, what, what our plan is, you know, can we talk? And uh, so we, we actually, uh, we talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of venture capitalists uh, um, because it just seemed like, uh, you know, uh, to me, it seemed like the right time, you know, we've been kind of, as you say, you know, the, the headline is very correct. We were bootstrapping um, and, uh, but uh, I think we got it to a point where it just seemed like there was, uh, you know, we created this value. We didn't have any money in our own pockets because every, you know, we're constantly um, reinvesting uh, in, you know, to keep up with the growth for next year. So we'd be opening new offices, uh, hiring people. Um, you know, we never really showed a lot of uh, profit. Um, more or less kind of a break-even scenario. Uh, my thesis is that you can either grow really fast or you can be profitable, but you can't really do both of them at the same time, uh, right. generally speaking. So we've, we had always focused on growth, and it seemed um, uh, to me at the, in, by the time 2019 rolled around that it was time for us to take a little bit of money off the table because every everything for uh, myself and Dave and, and actually Luciano is a equal partner in the company as well. It was time for us to uh, take a bit of money into uh, our own pockets, uh, 
a de-risking strategy, if you will. But we also could see that um, we were nowhere near uh, realizing what the potential of tours by locals could become. And uh, it seemed prudent that we should uh, look for some investment to kind of guarantee that 40% growth because, you know, it's one thing to grow when you're giving a thousand tours a year, but, you know, we were up in the 120,000 individual tours per year range in 2019. And, you know, how do you grow beyond that? Well, you need to be able to hire really smart people much smarter than I am about how to how to manage that growth and you know marketing and systems and you know we had uh, we had taken a lot of shortcuts on the kind of back end systems that that underpin tours by locals and we needed to be able to invest in those so we I could just see that there was a lot of things that um, that we needed to do if we wanted to kind of keep that growth trajectory going because I still believe. Uh, you know, of course, everything changed. But back in those days, and and there, we're, we were still not really capturing a, a large, a huge percentage of the market. Seemed like there was still lots more potential for for the company to grow our sales, and uh, we just would need the resources to be able to do that. I I find this this. this particularly interesting in that because you know for a decade you probably wouldn't have had to rub shoulders with the venture capital world um i wonder what you actually made of it once you started accepting some of those phone calls from vcs that were clearly interested in tours by locals what you just made of that culture and the way they kind of operate and the the things that they would be asking from you and their vision for what, you know, because they obviously have a vision in what tours by locals can become. I mean, was there anything that um, shocked you, surprised you, things you didn't like about um, that kind of world that you were starting to dip your toes into? Well, um, yeah, we got uh, turned down by uh, a number of them uh, because they wanted to write a bigger check than we wanted to take. Um, for, for us, um, it we were uh, the, the, we're like control freaks, and so the the thing that was really important for us is to be able to maintain uh, operational control. We were happy to you know we realized that we would be giving up sort of control over the financial aspects of the company, yeah. and and that that was fine. Uh, but we really wanted to uh, to make sure that we maintained the operational control of the business and. Um, a number of uh, companies, uh, they didn't want that. Uh, they wouldn't uh, go down that road. I mean, uh, they would be happy to let you run it until such time as there was, you know, and but they could always have the hammer to step in, you know. Um, and so that wasn't uh, a road that we were willing to go down. Um, I guess what surprised me is the um, the level of due diligence that we had to go through. Um, you know, like they're asking a lot of really difficult questions and, you know, we, we took even like personality tests and, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, like I, it turns out that I'm a, a very excitable person. Like I'm off the charts, uh, when it comes to, uh, excitability and, um, which, well, now I can use that as a, uh, <laughs> 
it's true actually i i tend to get really excited but um, so tell, tell, tell me what i I'm, I'm curious about this i'm i'm glad people don't do personality tests on journalists that's for sure <laughs> but you know, when when this was first you know when you were told by this particular vc that you would have to take a personality test test did you think hang on a second are you joking or did you just think well we really are getting immersed into a, a slightly yeah, peculiar was, world here there, there was a little like my, bit of... was it was was it like a Myers-Briggs test or something like that? Yeah, so, something like that. I forget the Hogan assessment, I think it's called. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But uh, anyways, um, and of course, you have to pay for this stuff, right? Because uh, it, like the way these deals work is that um, the venture capitalist is kind of on the hook for the due diligence process until such time as you actually complete the deal. And then, you know, you pay for the market study and uh, and the the Hogan assessment I think it cost about thirty five hundred dollars for the three of us to take that yeah test. so uh, uh, <laughs> no I, that was just like oh okay whatever you know <laughs> and uh, well I, but actually I, it turned out to be uh, for me I was kind of I like those kind of things anyways and uh, um, you know it kind of uh, confirmed some of the conceits that I have about my personality like you know I'm kind of outside the box thinker and I'm extraordinarily disorganized and, uh, but you know, uh, lots of, uh, and this excitability. So, uh, okay. there you so, go. Paul, David. so yeah, I wanted to, you know, follow up on something you said, you said you wanted to maintain control and um, I, you know, I'm curious how you, thought about controlling a product across so many different cultures because you know i mean we talked about france and, and you know i think the french have a different relation with time in my personal experience living there for a summer and you know you had to manage all different types of cultures and, and, and tours and enforce quality across you know um what is a pretty broad category private tours can be you know much of anything within that right like how did you think about how you actually manage uh, manage the product quality yeah, because that's basically the reason why customers come to Tours by Locals. I mean, uh, originally, I guess we thought that, uh, you know, it would kind of sort itself out, sort of like, I think, kind of Airbnb-ish, you know, like the the they let their customers vet the properties, is, at least it seems to me. Maybe they're changing a little bit now, but, uh, you know, the, the cream rises to the top. But for us, I think the value that we add to um, uh to the tours and activities market is to provide that level of consistent uh, expectations. And so that's, that's been a big part of uh, the reason why we've been successful. Um, you know, we have uh, 4,700 guides on our platform right now. Uh, but uh, if you sign up as a new tour guide, you're going to get a uh, guide number 6,000, I think, is what we're up to. So, you know, there's only about 10% of the people that applied that, that actually made it through the process and have stuck around. Um, and so we, we um, I mean, we have, they are independent contractors. So, you know, they're not employees. We can't, you know, dictate to them a lot of things that we might like to if they were employees. But we do have our business principles and, you uh, you know, that they agree to uh, adhere to. And, um, you know, certainly showing up on time is like number one. Uh, and, uh, so actually that, that, that has been, uh, uh, we're pretty 
harsh when it comes down to, you know, mis a, a guide mismanaging a customer expectation. So, well, so I'm curious, what, what about what about just basic cultural differences? Like there are certain cultures that have aggressive demeanors and others that are more passive. They're like, they're like, uh, you know, and I, I, I think this is common, um, you know, on board, you know, shore excursions off a cruise ship. I remember sometimes, you know, uh, my, uh, you know, uh, someone would be sitting there complaining like, oh, this guy just talks too much. Or someone goes, oh, I loved it. And how did you just, you know, think about personal preferences? Um, well, uh, that, that's a matter of uh, uh, making sure that the guides uh, understand that, uh, the, you know, the customers are different and that you have to be a, a little bit of a savant to, uh, you know, to read the person that you are uh, meeting. Um, I, I think uh, one, one of the things that I have observed is that um, uh, guides and customers kind of get to know each other through the platform before the tour actually happens. And, uh, you know, we, we provide uh, the guide when they, uh, when they get a new inquiry, they see um, what the history of the customer is. And now we're, we get a lot of repeat uh, business. So the guide can see the kind of tours that the uh, other customer, that the, the customer has taken, the reviews that they've made of, uh, of other guides. And, um, you know, so they do get us, uh, the guides do get a sense of who they're dealing with um, even before the tour starts. So, um, and, and mostly it seems to me that uh, the 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 uh, the guides have enough sense to uh, figure out that you know if it's a, a Spanish speaking uh, guest well they probably want you to from uh, the UK or uh, Germany you know let them enjoy the scenery a little bit you know without filling every second with uh, uh, commentary so uh, but I, I don't know it, it so far it hasn't seemed to be a problem we we uh, we trust our guides we let them uh, uh, do you know that they're they have their personalities and uh, you know people um, they kind of select them based I think on their picture their the video that they have they read the reviews that other customers have uh, um, made and um, yeah, so it, it really hasn't seemed to be a particular problem. As long as they hit on those kind of key things, you know, showing up on time, managing it, making sure that all the expectations are taken care of in advance. And, uh, you know, the well, they get them back to the ship uh, at least a half hour before departure, you know, if it happens to be a shore excursion. So nobody needs that stress. So No, indeed. So um, last question, um for our for our interview today paul so and a, a brief one really i mean you've been with the business for you know over a decade and you know the things you were doing before and it's actually a fairly long time for a, a startup to uh, and a founder to be with the business for that amount of time if you weren't doing this what do you think you would be doing instead what would be your kind of alternative career briefly Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> right now, uh, being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age where I don't feel old, but I'm not young either. So, uh, <laughs> um, I actually, um, uh, what my plan is right now is to figure out how to be replaceable at tours by locals. Like I don't want my legacy 
I want to be able to have the opportunity to ride off into the sunset and know that, uh, you know, the company is in, uh, is in good hands. Um, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. And of course right now is, wouldn't be the time to, uh, to leave, but uh, that's where I want to get back to. And um, I, I mean, as an alternative career, don't really have any, uh, my alternative career is to, uh, um, kind of ha- have my country place overlooking the ocean and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where I'm, uh, you know, uh, in a, that it's retirement, basically. That's, that's, that's the end goal at this point. Um, okay. But uh, there's no particular time frame for that. Um, and I, I just want to make sure that, uh, that we built a strong enough company that, uh, and I've been, clever enough to hire much smarter and better people than me so that I can uh, um, leave it uh, in good hands uh, when the time comes. Okay. Well, we wish you well with that. And we're all looking Thank forward you. to retiring at some point. And um, David's got about another 50 years ahead of him. He's yeah, so young, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, thank you very much, Paul, for joining us as our guest this week on How I Got Here. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Indeed. Yes, take care. Okay, so you've been listening to another episode of How I Got Here. This is uh, Mozio and FocusWise weekly podcast where we interview the innovators and entrepreneurs in travel and tourism. We always say this, but it's good to go do it again. You can find us if you're not a subscriber already on all the usual platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a review. uh, Leave us some feedback. Give us a high rating, please. From David and I, thanks to you again, Paul, and we'll see you next time. Great. Take care. Thanks for listening to the How I Got Here podcast. We'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation. Check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages. And get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com. See you next week.